we'll dismiss the kids and let them go to their class. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. It's a scripture that I use a lot. And the reason that I do is because it speaks of the end, the end times that we are living in today. In the Old Testament, there are 300 prophecies concerning Jesus coming to the earth to be the Messiah. But there are 2,500 verses in the Bible that speak to Jesus' second coming, his return. Anything that's spoken of that, to that degree, that much, seems to me to be something that we should focus on, something that we should be aware of. And the knowledge that Jesus is coming back soon should change the way we live. It's easy to say, yeah, I believe in the second coming. I believe Jesus is coming back. But there's a big difference in that and seeing the finish line that is soon ahead of us. And as a result, to live our lives in a way that pleases God. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. God told us that when we see the end times coming, and folks, if anybody doesn't see the end of times as are prophesied in the Bible, then they're not paying attention. And I think that's one thing that, that some people, perhaps many people, are doing in these last days. They may think that if they just ignore the things that are going around about us, that they won't have to deal with it or consider it. But folks, we are at the end of time. So the Bible says if we'll ask for the rain, the rain is a type of the Holy Ghost. If we ask for the rain, the Lord shall make bright clouds this, this word bright clouds in, uh, is used one other place in Job, the book of Job, and it means lightnings, or it's translated lightnings in the book of Job. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds. It's talking about a display of his power and a manifestation of his presence. And give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. Now, folks, each of the gospels, four gospels, speak of Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River, the Bible says that the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost came down upon Jesus and remained. And there was a voice from heaven that declared, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So then Jesus, the Bible says, tells us that he went into the wilderness 
And he stayed there for 40 days and 40 nights. Luke 4.14 says, he then returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee. Now here's my point. We know that Jesus was born the Son of God. He was born without sin. That's why the virgin birth was so necessary. And when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River and the Holy Ghost descended on him in bodily shape as a dove and remained upon him, that's when Jesus went about doing miracles. The miracles started when Jesus was baptized by, the, by John and the presence of the Lord came upon him and stayed. Now Jesus didn't become the Son of God when he was anointed of God. He didn't become the Son of God when the Holy Spirit came down upon him in bodily form. Jesus had been the Son of God from the time that he was born on the earth. Some 30 years prior to being baptized by John in the Jordan River. So asking for the Lord reign in the time of the latter reign, recognizing that it's a, a work of the Holy Ghost. For example, James 5, 7 said, Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. For the Lord is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. So this latter rain that the Bible tells us to pray for is the power of God. Now Paul gave us a list of things and ways that the Holy Ghost manifests himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. See the word gifts there? It's in italics. Anytime something is in italics, in the King James translation, it means the translators added something. They added something to enhance our understanding. But literally, this verse reads now concerning spirituals, plural, spiritual, plural. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And that word spirituals means things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. So Paul is saying by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, by the inspiration of God himself, that he doesn't want his people confused concerning spiritual gifts or things pertaining to the Holy Ghost. Now if Paul was speaking by the Holy Ghost to the Corinthians and God didn't want the Corinthians to be ignorant concerning spiritual things, then he doesn't want our church to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. He doesn't want any people or any body of believers to be ignorant concerning the Holy Ghost. So he's going to tell us how the Holy Ghost operates. He's going to give us a list of manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that how you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. 
to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith. One translation says special faith because we know we have saving faith already. But to another faith or special faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now folks, in this group of nine manifestations of the spirit, three of them reveal something. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits. Three of them say something. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And three of them do something. Working of miracles, special faith, and gifts of healings. Now when the Bible says that Jesus is waiting to come back, and what he's waiting for is the precious fruit of the earth that can only be brought about by the moving of the Holy Ghost, he's telling us that there's a special move of the Spirit of God, a special move of the Holy Ghost, that will take place before Jesus returns. Now since the Bible tells us with such great degree or great number of scriptures and promises that God, is, that God is sending Jesus back to the earth and he has long patience for it. He's willing to wait for the, precious, for the working of the Holy Ghost to bring about the precious fruit of the earth. Then we can understand that the moving of the Holy Ghost, the operation of the latter rain, is speaking specifically about the Holy Spirit bringing revelation to the church, the Holy Spirit bringing power to the church, and the Holy Spirit bringing revelation to the church. Now you remember that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he talked to his disciples and was seen of them for 40 days And the Bible tells us of the things that the Spirit of God prompted men to do. But before the Holy Ghost came upon the believers in power in these manifestations of the Spirit, the Bible tells us and points us to the importance of the Holy Ghost in the modern day church or in the church from the time of its beginning all the way up till now. Jesus told his disciples after they were born again to wait in Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Spirit from on high. I like the way John Osteen used to say this. He used to say that God told, that Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. In other words, not to even think about having church without the Holy Spirit. Not to even think about having church until the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. 
So, folks, what is the book of Acts? It has great meaning for us as far as historical record is concerned. Luke is the writer of the book of Acts, and he had written the gospel that bears his name. And then he gave, by the inspiration of God, the instruction of the Holy Ghost moving in the early days of the church. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he explained to them in some detail of what the work of the Holy Spirit would, would be in the last days. And so when he gave us information, again, it's a historical record, and Luke was such a detailed-oriented person that some of the things that people have claimed that the Bible speaks of or speaks to weren't really, wasn't really the way that it's portrayed. But over and over again, there are things that Luke included in the book of Acts that were, have been, have come to light to be completely and totally accurate. So let's see what the book of Acts tells us about the, the early rain. The Bible speaks of the early rain and the latter rain. So let's see what the early rain was. In Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if they found any of this way, talking about anybody that believed in Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, folks, Jesus is born again. I'm sorry, Paul is born again. As soon as he answers or questions Jesus as to who he is. Who art thou, Lord, was his first question. Jesus says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. The next thing he said to him, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And he said, the Lord said unto him, Rise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas 
but one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many by, by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul. He wouldn't call him a brother unless he was in the family of God. He wouldn't call him a brother if he hadn't already been saved. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Now we see an operation of the, the Holy Ghost manifestation in this encounter, in this event is recorded. Ananias was first told that Saul was in a certain place. And that is something, and also that Paul was praying. Saul, who becomes Paul, was praying and had been praying for some time. How could Ananias know these things to be true except by revelation of the Holy Ghost? Now, the revelation that he receives is what's called a word of knowledge in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. A word of knowledge is a divine revelation of certain facts or events concerning people in the mind of God. Word of knowledge has to do with present tense and past tense events. Now, God knew where everybody was that was praying, but he didn't tell Ananias where everybody was praying at like he told him about Saul. The word of knowledge brought him to the place where God could use him to minister to Saul, not only the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but also to minister to him to get back his sight. Now, Ananias argues with the Lord a little bit about this. He says, I know who this guy is. I've heard of him. And he has persecuted the church and has letters authorizing him to persecute any and all those that claim to be Christians. And so God has to answer him and reveal to him something about Saul in the future. He says to him, go thy way, for I have chosen him to minister to the Gentiles, and I must show him how great things he must suffer. Now he's telling him something about the future. Ananias, to Ananias, it's revealed what God's plan and purpose is for Paul. So here we see the word of wisdom, which is divine revelation concerning 
God's plan and purpose in the earth. The word of knowledge never concerns itself or never contains prediction or foretelling of the future. But the word of wisdom does. So here's revelation, divine revelation that takes place and is necessary for God's plan to be accomplished. Now when we look further into the scriptures, Acts chapter 5, for example, we see different operations of the Holy Ghost, different ways that the Holy Ghost manifests himself. Here's an unusual way, Acts 5.1, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thy heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And hearing these words, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered her, Tell me, whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and straightway and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, found her dead and carried her forth and buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and as many as were done, and as many as had heard these things. Now here's a revelation that Peter receives from the Lord. There would be no way for him to know what the purchase price was for the land or how much they sold it for. But God shows him the nature of these, this couple's heart And so this revelation, this divine revelation that was received by Paul, this divine revelation keeps the church from being drawn in by people with ungodly motives and desires. Things don't work this way as much as we might expect. And it's a good thing, it seems to me, that this example isn't repeated. And then the astonishing thing about it is that it doesn't hurt the church crowd. Folks, if people lying to the Holy Ghost today brought instant death like it did for Ananias and Sapphira, nobody would go to church. I've got a friend that says about this story that it doesn't tell us specifically afterward, 
But church attendance fell drastically from that point forward. Now here's the church in its beginning stages. They've done and been a party to several miraculous healing events. And the church at such an early age had to be protected. If it was going to be and, and be what Jesus planned for it to be, if it was going to do the same works that he did here in the earth, then it had to be protected from people with wrong motives. Let's keep reading in chapter 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man to join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the very least the shadow of Peter might pass shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and they which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. I believe that's connected. These events are connected with the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Here the Holy Ghost revealed what was necessary for Peter to know concerning the gift, the monetary gift that they bring to the church. And the church, when purified, then made significant strides forward in fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God. Next, I want you to look with me, Acts 9. Verse 32, it says, And it came to pass, as Peter passed throughout all quarters, he came down to the saints which dwell at Lydda, and there he found certain, a certain man named Aeneas, which had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. Then Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ made thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all they that dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas, this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and she died. Whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as little was high unto Joppa, nigh unto Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring that he would not delay to come to them. And Peter arose and went out with them, 
And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Next, I want you to look with me to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask the alms of them which entered into the temple. Who, see, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes on him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which was sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. When Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look you so earnestly on us? Now most of the church world tells of this story that the reason that the disciples were able to do miracles and heal the sick and take part in different manifestations of the Spirit that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about is because since they were disciples of Jesus, they had some special power that we don't have today. Or because they were apostles and had spent time with Jesus, there must have been something about their character, a holiness of character, that would enable them to do the works that they did. Folks, the Holy Ghost operates here in this story almost as if he could see the future. Because he addresses those very two things. When Peter saw it, he marveled, he answered unto the people, you men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk. Peter speaks up specifically and addresses and refutes the attitude or the belief of much of the modern day church. And he tells the people, this was not by some power we have as apostles. This is not by some power or some holiness that we have because of our time with Jesus. Why marvel ye at this, or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? 
the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his son, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and has killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised up from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter identifies very clearly and succinctly that the thing that produced this miracle, this miraculous healing or deliverance, really I guess we'd have to split hairs over this. He didn't heal him from sickness and disease. He healed him from the effects of the devil in his life. And he identifies where the power was that produced this miracle. And his name, through faith in his name, has given this man this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now folks, when we look at these things kind of in a broad overview, it's easy to see what God needed to do to bring people into his family. We see in Acts chapter 2 that there was a great pouring out of the Holy Spirit that caused the 120 in the upper room to be born again and to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. To be baptized or filled with the Spirit and speak with other tongues. And as a result, the preaching that resulted when Peter stood up and told everybody what this was, which is a major work of the Holy Spirit in itself, for Peter to all of a sudden have understanding what this was, what this outpouring of the, of the Spirit of God was for. It tells us that 5,000 people got saved. Now remember Jesus' instruction to the church, to the apostles. After they were born again, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the promise of the Spirit from on high. And they knew what that was going to entail since they remembered what Jesus said. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Well, then that brings us to Acts chapter 3, the story that we just read. Here's a guy begging for money at the beautiful gate of the temple, and he was laid daily there. So it's very possible that Jesus, walking in and out of the temple during the last days of his life particularly, he may have seen the same guy. He may have given him alms. 
he may have passed by him without doing anything to minister to him or set him free from the, the crippling paralysis that he had. You remember in John chapter 14, Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper? He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and even greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Those, the apostles healed more people in Jerusalem after Jesus was taken up into heaven than Jesus did when he was there. And we see miracles that are performed by God. One we just read in Acts chapter 9 was when Aeneas was healed. Now what Peter told Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh you whole, is exactly what he wrote to the church in his epistle which says by the stripes of Jesus by the stripes of Jesus the shedding of blood when he was beaten in Pilate's court by the stripes of Jesus you are healed that's exactly what he told Aeneas Jesus Christ maketh you whole. And then we see the raising of the dead. Now that may have been one work that they might not have believed in or believed that they would participate in. And there are other stories, other events that the Bible tells us where the disciples were thrown in jail. And every time they were thrown in jail, an angel or God working in some supernatural way caused them to be set free. Can you imagine the boldness that would have developed in the apostles by God knocking down and opening prison doors time after time after time? So these are examples of the power of God through the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We see the gift of faith in operation. We see gifts of healings in operation. We see miracle after miracle after miracle take place all to bring multitudes of people into the kingdom of God but then, so what is the latter day of the church what is the latter reign going to look like folks reign is reign the only difference in the early reign and the latter reign is the timing the time when it occurs and comes to pass. 
we can and will see the revelation gifts in operation in the last days. We can and will see the power gifts of the Spirit come to pass. I think we need to gear ourselves up because we are living in the days of Jesus' return. Folks, the things that we see going on around us, the work of the devil, much of it through politics and government intervention into our lives. But the things that we see taking place have got to be an encouragement to us to recognize that Jesus is very soon coming back to get us. I feel no hesitation to say the rapture is imminent. We can see the finish line. We can see the times that we live in. In pro for professional football, they have a two-minute drill. Teams develop a certain set of plays for use in the last two minutes of the game. Now, the reason they do that is because they know the game is almost over. And it's their last chance to bring out a victory no matter where they are in, in, no matter who's winning or losing up to that point. I think we've got a two-minute drill for the church. I believe God has planned a two-minute drill for the church. And that's, that two-minute drill is the work of the Holy Ghost as we said to bring multitudes of people into the kingdom of God. A lot of Christians want to bury their head in the sand and not deal with these things, not consider these things. But look at the spiritual nature, the, the miracle nature of the work of the Holy Ghost in the early church. I don't know why, but the story in Acts chapter 5, which tells us that people were healed by Peter's shadow crossing over them, that just blows my mind. Now, we don't see any evidence that Peter knew what was going to happen. The way the story is related to us, it doesn't tell us about Peter declaring to everybody, just bring all the sick and lay them in the streets. And a certain time of day, I'll pass by. 
and my shadow will heal them. I would imagine that they found out that it was taking place by accident. Maybe when Peter passed somebody, passed by somebody on the street, all of a sudden they jumped up and declared that they were healed. And then maybe it happened another time, maybe in a different location. We don't know exactly what to make them of the circumstances surrounding it. But it became so well known that the Bible tells us that the people that came from afar, every one of them was healed. There are several times in Jesus' ministry where it says that he healed them all. Talking about the multitudes. He healed them all. If that was part of the early reign, it was certainly accomplished after the resurrection and after the church begins to operate in the earth. that they were all healed. I believe that's something we can look forward to in these last days. We see the gift of faith in operation, not only to bring healing to the cripple, but also to restore a dead person to life. One of the things the Lord has been dealing with me about very specifically and very directly is the temporary state of the world to the things of the spirit and the laws that govern the spirit realm. Folks, when Jesus went walking on the water to the disciples and every other time that he performed some work that contradicted the laws of nature, every time he did something to show that the circumstances of life are subject to the authority of man and the words of our mouths. Every time one of those events or occurrences took place in Jesus' ministry, the disciples were freaked out about it Almost every time something like that happened. But Jesus just showed that the power of God that was resident in him and now resides in us.
causes us to have greater and greater boldness as to that power within us. If Jesus superseded or overcame the laws of nature in normal course of activity to accomplish God's will on the earth, I believe that the hearing of those stories can create in us the same boldness that he had to overcome the works of the devil. The Bible says that God works, confirms his word with signs following. And for that reason, I think we need to keep teaching about the miraculous nature of God and the miracles that he has and will perform on behalf of his people here on the earth. I'm looking for great revelation, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and discerning of spirits. I'm looking for great power through working of miracles, gifts of healings, and special faith. And I'm looking for divine utterance, whether it be prophecy or diverse kinds of tongues or interpretation of tongues. These are things that God has ordained from the beginning of the world so that the Holy Spirit might manifest himself to those that watch and pray. To bring about the knowledge in great measure, in multiplied measure, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I think a lot of us are a little scared to be used by God in great ways. I see in the scriptures that when Peter and John were taken after the man at the beautiful gate was healed, they were taken by the, the Jewish leaders, the rabbis, and the high priests who wanted to do away with them right off the bat. But when Peter and John went back to their own company in Acts chapter 4, and they reported all the chief priests and elders had said how they were beaten and commanded not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. They prayed for boldness. Now it looks to me the way that Peter stood up as the spokesman for the church, the way that Peter sp stood up 
and spoke the truth about obeying God rather than obeying men. They went to their own company and they prayed for boldness. People that are operating in boldness to a great degree asked for more boldness. And he asked for a specific thing when he prayed. Now, Lord, behold those threatenings, the prayer went. And grant unto thy servants boldness to speak your word and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. Folks, there's a boldness that comes as a result of healing the sick. There's a boldness that comes as a result of standing up to opposing forces. There's a boldness that comes through God displaying his power in a mighty way that does not and cannot come any other way. That's my prayer for us. Lord, grant unto us boldness to speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Lord, that's our prayer. Give us boldness. No matter what comes against us, no matter if persecution increases, no matter if we're told that we can't have church, or that our church church operations would be severely limited. Give us boldness to stand strong in the face of the enemy. Father, we thank you for the power gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for confirming your word with signs following to manifest special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. And Father, we ask that you would manifest yourself through words of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And Father, speak to us through prophecy and diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Holy Spirit, we ask you to manifest yourself in full measure, not just in our church services, although we trust in you for that as is needed. But Father, as these people who have committed themselves to your word and believe that it is truth that signs and wonders would be done through them 
to minister to the hearts of the hearers who might not even ever consider coming to church. So Father, what we're asking you for is to send the Holy Spirit like the reign of God in our services and outside of our services. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Folks, the clock is running down. We have very few minutes left. But we have some tremendous things to look forward to. The more I read the book of Acts, it seems like in certain, in certain parts of it at least, that people were living in a dream world. That's not to say there wasn't trouble. There was trouble for them. First there was persecution by the religious leaders. Then they were persecuted by the Roman government. But in every instance, by the power of the word of God, in every instance, God delivered them. He delivered them from the hand of the enemy. And he set them on course to perform his will in the earth. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's just lift our hands and thank God for choosing us to live in these days. What a privilege to live in the last days, the last of the last days. We worship you, Father. We bless your holy name. We thank you, Father, for the rain, the early and the latter rain. We thank you for doing the same works that you did in the early days of the church. We thank you, Father, for equipping us with the name of Jesus and even great faith in that name. Thank you, Father, that all these things shall be accomplished because faithful are you who called us and you shall bring it to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. time is at hand and the Bible tells us to pray
and ask for the rain. Folks, that should be as much a part of our lives as breathing. We should live our lives every day, every minute of, of our waking hours, seeking God for the reign of the Holy Ghost. Say it with me. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you, folks.